probably forget how short that bumper is. <laughs> All right. Um, so we have been doing this series called Brotherly Advice, and throughout this series, we've been talking about some interesting things. I wanted to do uh, something a little different today. So to start today, uh, we're going to play a little game. So everyone is going to play this game, but I'm actually going to ask um, a couple to come up here to play it in front of you. Um, I know this couple really well because they are my parents. So I'm get up for my mom and dad, and you guys can come on up. You guys can take a seat there. We sanitize this microphone. Testing. Yeah, it works. You guys can take your mask off while you're up here if you want. Um, so here's what the game is called. The game is called Speak Up or Shut Up. That's the game, okay? Now, I want to warn everybody. I want to warn my mom because I used to get in trouble when I was a kid when I said shut up all the time. And I am going to say it a lot during this sermon. So I'm sorry, mom. You're on time now. I know, I know. So... Here's the game, and I'm, and I'm going to ask every, all of you to also participate. I'll have them answer first. But I'm going to give a scenario um, in your relationship. And so if you're dating or if you're married or if you have been or you, you just dream about it if you're not, um, what you would do in this scenario, would you speak up and say something or would you not say anything? You would shut up about it. So that's the two options. So here's the first scenario. I'm going to give three scenarios. Your significant other makes a special meal that they spend all day making, but you hate it. You eat it and you don't like it. Do you speak up and say something about it or do you just don't say anything because they made a special meal? I'd like to hear from both mom and dad. Um, <laughs> when you say speak up. Speak up as meaning, in. I understand meaning that you speak up that you don't like it? Yes. Okay. You let her I would know. shut up by far. <laughs> wow, that was quick. Okay. He's... He's been married for a long time, okay? Mom, what would you do? I would say since he doesn't ever cook meals and doesn't know how to boil water, and he's only made a meal for me once in our 37 years. Wow. This is not counseling, Mom. This is just... (laughs) I thought this was Dr. Phil. Oh, Oh, but that meal was Crab Imperial. But anyway, I think I would shut up just because he would make a meal. Okay. So let me ask everyone that's here, and then if you're watching on Facebook, comment. I'd like to hear. So if your significant other made a meal, would you speak up or shut up? Who would speak up? Raise your hand. Okay. A couple people. Okay. Some of the people that are not married, I see, are raising their hands. Um, And then who would shut up? Who was like, I'm not saying anything. Yep, that's most of us. I would for sure shut up. Okay, good. Next one. Next one. Your significant other puts on an outfit that they love. They love this outfit. They think they look great in it, but you think it looks terrible. You don't like it at all. Would you say something? But remember, they like this outfit. Would you say something like, hey, honey, this doesn't look good? Or would you just, you know what? Whatever makes you happy, wear whatever you want. I know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I would speak up Ooh. very carefully. Oh, wow. What would you say? How would you say it? I need to know. <laughs> You just put me on spot because I would really be thinking this through. <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I really like that outfit's nice, but I really like this one better. Yeah, that's pro- probably what I would do. That's smart. That's yeah. Take notes, everybody. Okay, take notes. And you that raised your hand earlier. You weren't not married. For <laughs> the last question. All right, mom. What would you would you speak up or would you shut up? I would definitely speak up. Yeah, I, you I, have. Oh, I have. I just did this morning. <laughs> no, this is a good one. <laughs> All right. So everyone in the audience, your significant other, 
is wearing something that they love. They love this outfit. And you decide you don't really like it. Would you speak up? How many people would speak up? Raise your hand. Speak up. And my wife um, would. She has before. And then who would uh, shut up? Who wouldn't say anything? Okay. Well, people, I'm on the shut up side for sure. Um, all right. Last one. Last one. Your significant other has a habit that they think is endearing. They think it's cute. Like maybe example, your significant other likes to put their finger really close to your face without actually touching you. I wouldn't know anyone that does that like my dad. So a habit that, that they think is cute or endearing or whatever, but you find it so annoying. Would you speak up or would you shut up? First of all, how come I always have to go first? <laughs> I would probably, it all depends how annoying it is. Yeah. But I would probably shut up in the beginning, but then after a while, I'd speak up. Okay. So it would gradually get to a speak up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. eventually <laughs> yeah. they would have to, you know, I don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mom? I know what her answer is going to be. <laughs> That's because I don't do anything annoying. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would definitely speak up, and it happens all the time. My, like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. That's so, yes, I yeah. would speak up. Okay. Um, how many of you, okay, what would you do? For those of you in the room, your, your partner has an annoying habit, would you speak up or would you shove about it? Who would speak up? Wow, most hands. My hand is up with that, and who would shut up? Well, really nobody. <laughs> Everyone okay. All right, good. All right, can we get up for mom and dad? Thank you so much. Thank you. Great job. So that is a game that's, uh, that you can think of a lot of different options for that, right? You can think of a lot of different scenarios. And when it comes to if you've ever been in a romantic relationship or you're currently in a romantic relationship, um, you have gotten this wrong before, right? Like, there's been times where you should have spoke up about something and you didn't, and you let it go for way too long. Maybe it was that habit that you hated at first, and you waited way too long, so now a year in, they think they're being cute every time, and it's driving you nuts, and a year you just explode, because like, I hate this habit, and then it causes a big fight. You're like, maybe I should have spoke up about this a long time ago. Or maybe um, there have been times that you have just said something when you really shouldn't have, you should have shut up. Happens for all of us, right? But be, even beyond our romantic relationships, Personally, I've gotten this wrong a lot. There were times where I should have spoke up, and I didn't, and there were times where I should have just stayed quiet, but I didn't. I said something about it. I've had friends that have gone down a destructive path, and I, I saw where they were going. I saw the habits they were doing. I was close enough with them where I could have spoken into their lives, but I, I wanted their acceptance so much. I didn't want to hurt their feelings, so I didn't say anything, and I watched them go down a path that was destructive. I should have spoke up. I've done that before. Um, I have made, and I know no one else in this room has done this, but I have made really bold statements on Facebook that I look back years later and go, man, that was so wrong, and I had no clue what I was talking about. I know none of you do that. You guys are perfect, but I have done that before in my past. And even with family, there are times where I have, I have spoken up about things that I had no right speaking about, and I have not said some stuff when I should have said something. We've all had those times where you should speak up or shut up and we get it wrong. And the hard thing is, how do we know when to do it? How do we know when we should speak up or when we should shut up? When, how do we know the difference? And the answer, the way we know it is one word. The answer is wisdom. Wisdom helps you know when you should speak up and when you should shut up. 
See, it takes wisdom to be able to learn the difference. There's no magical formula. There's no like code or Excel you can put in, okay, this is an area where I should speak up. That doesn't happen. It just takes experience. It takes wisdom. See, wisdom can only be gained over time. That's all it can be gained. If you're 20 years old, you could be really smart, but you're only going to be so wise. Why? Because you're only 20 years old. You haven't experienced life as much as other people have. So the more you experience, the more life you live, you, you, the more wisdom you have. You can be really book smart, but not necessarily have wisdom because you haven't had a chance to apply it into your real life. See, wisdom is not about knowing. Wisdom is about applying. That's the difference. Wisdom is not just about knowing. It's about applying what you know into your life. You know how I've learned when to speak up and when to shut up when it comes to my marriage? Through trial and error. Through nine, we just celebrated our nine-year anniversary on Thursday. Through nine years of marriage and even longer than that, dating. Um, man, I've learned over time. I've learned my wife's rhythms over time. I've learned what she appreciates from me. I've learned about things she doesn't ever want me to say to her. I have learned those things, and I've taken that, and I've tried to take that knowledge and apply it into our marriage. Sometimes I don't apply it correctly. Sometimes I, don't, I get it wrong. But wisdom is not about knowing. Wisdom is about applying. And the book of James is really all about applying it. It's about wisdom. It's about not just knowing, but actually applying it. So that, throughout this series, we've been talking the book of James. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, or your Bible apps, open up to James chapter 3. We've been going through, each, each week we've gone through a chapter of James, and I encourage you, if you have not, to make sure you continue to read it at home. Um, read, if you haven't yet, read up to chapter 3 and read chapter 4 before next week. We'll be talking about chapter 4 next week. But James is the half-brother of Jesus, and James gets criticism sometimes because he's so critical and he's so blatant about what we should do. He comes across as harsh. But what we've been learning is that, that it's not about what we do that gains grace. We can never gain grace. But when, what we do reflects what we actually believe. What we do reflects who we believe in. And that's what James has been talking about. And he continues uh, in chapter 3 being very practical. And he's talking about the most important part of our body, and that's our mouth, our tongue. So James chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. I encourage you to read along with me. It'll be up on the screen as well. James chapter 3 verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This verse is a as a pastor, always makes me pause a little bit. Because what this verse is saying is, hey, when you are in a position to teach, you're going to be judged more strictly. If you are a teacher, if you have, have ever had a position where you've had to teach people, you will be judged more strictly because your words matter. Your words matter. We need to understand the responsibility, and I have to understand the responsibility I have that I'm up here talking to all of you. It's a responsibility that I have because I am using my words and my words um, are so important what we say. See, because teachers, they'll judge more strictly because what James explains in the rest of the chapter is that our words are powerful. Our words hold weight. Our words matter. What we say matters. So the higher up in leadership we become, the more influence we have in anyone's life, the more influence we have, the more our words matter. Words matter because words can be used to build up and to make friendship stronger or it can be used to destroy friendships, as James goes on to explain. So if you are given the responsibility to teach, what James says is, understand, you have a major responsibility. Do not take that lightly. Continues in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. 
See, we know that no one is perfect. We know that we all make mistakes. James even says that. He knows that. We don't need to be perfect. But you can make mistakes in other ways in life, and it does not have the ripple effect that your words can have. You can make mistakes with words that destroys relationships forever, that destroys your credibility forever. Words are important. He continues in verse 3. He emphasizes this point a little more by giving a little, some example. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. It's so small, but it makes great boast. He gives two examples. Then he gives another example that I think is the best example that he gives. Continue on to verse 5. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. This is brutal imagery that James gives right here. He's saying, just like one little spark can destroy an entire forest, same with your mouth, the same with your tongue. One little spark can destroy the entire thing. All it takes is one word, one text, one email, one night. It takes one time to destroy a lot of things. I don't need to explain that to you. You understand that. You've seen that. You've witnessed that. You have relationships that have been ruined because of one thing somebody said. You've experienced that. Maybe your marriage has never been the same, or maybe a couple of words led you to a, to a place you couldn't recover from when it came to your marriage. Because one word, it's a small spark, but man, it's going to set the whole forest on fire. You may have a strain in your family relationship right now just because of one thing that somebody said, one statement, one thing that they wish you could take, they could take back, or that you wish you could take back. Because one small spark can set the whole forest on fire. The misuse of our tongue can destroy relationships around us. He continues on in verse 6. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. See, I know we like to think, you know, it, it's, it's just words. It's just, it's, it's just one thing. I just, I slipped up. It's just, it's, it's not, I get mad sometimes. I'm just really honest. I, I said I was sorry. I get all of that. You can say whatever you want. That's the great thing about our country. We can say anything we want. We have the freedom to do that. But when you misuse words, what James is saying, it's not just something you say. James is saying it is one of the primary ways that the enemy uses to hurt the people around you and to hurt you. That's what James says. He uses your words to hurt you. There's a weight to it. There's a responsibility to it. I mean, think of uh, when Peter was uh, with Jesus, and Jesus was telling the disciples the ultimate plan that he was going to have to die, and he was going to be crucified. And Peter said, no, that will never happen. I'll never let that happen. And what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. Because of the way that Peter was using his words to defy the will of God. Then James continues on. He doesn't, he doesn't stop. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings, we have been made, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He says, how can we in one breath sing praises to God 
And then in the very next one, curse the people that are made in his image. How can we do that? And James says, not only does it not make sense, James says it's not possible. James says it's, it's like you say an olive comes from a fig tree. And you would say, that's impossible. Yeah, the same thing is impossible for you to sing praises in the very next breath, curse other people. But if I told you a, a fig comes from a grapevine, you would say, no, that's not possible. Figs don't come from grapevines. Grapes come from grapevines. And James says, in the same way, you trying to sing praises and then right, turning right around and cursing other people, it's not possible. If I told you that the Washington football team was going to be good, you would say, not possible. They're always terrible. They're never going to be good, right? It's not possible. Sometimes things are not possible. And James is, not, is saying that it is not possible. Jesus says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. James doesn't say that praising and cursing God in the same breath is wrong. He's saying you can't do it. You can't do both. That's what James is saying. When you sit here and you sing praises and praise songs to God, or you sit at home and you sing whatever songs we're doing and then turn right around and destroy people with your words, how much do your praises actually mean? Because it's the overflow of your heart that your mouth speaks. Your mouth is the best indicator of what's going on in your heart. So if we're able to do that and then go turn right around and, and curse people in our lives, people that are made in God's image, are we actually praising? It's something is wrong if both things are happening. So when we use our mouth to curse people made in God's image, we are cursing the family of God. We are cursing God's children. If you came up to me and you said the worst things you could about my kids and then tried to compliment me, I wouldn't care about your compliment because you hurt my kids. I care way more about that. You can't tell me bad things about my kid and then think we're okay. It's not possible. But yet, James is saying, you can't sing praises and then turn around and curse other people. It's not possible. What comes out of your mouth is not only important, but it shows what you believe. It shows the state of your heart. It is important what you say. Your words matter. That is why it is so important for us to grow in wisdom so that we can use what comes out of our mouth properly. That's why it's so important. So there are two things that we need to learn to do with our mouth. The first thing we need to learn to do, speak up. There are times where you are called to speak up with your mouth. You are called to say something. You are called to speak up. If you read the book of Acts, I've been reading the book of Acts this week, um, Peter would not stop talking about Jesus. He would give a message about, hey, you killed Jesus and you need to repent, and then the religious leader would take him and put him in jail and say, hey, you need to stop talking about Jesus. He says, I'm not going to ever stop. He's like, well, then we're going to beat you. He said, then beat me because I don't care. I'm never going to stop talking about it. They beat him. They put him back out. He keeps talking about Jesus. He comes back and goes, you need to stop talking about Jesus. And Peter at one point says, hey, listen, you are the ones that killed Jesus. I saw him come back to life three days later, so you can kill me if you want, but I'm never going to stop. There are times where we are called to speak up. We are called to speak up. So when are we called to speak up? Here's a couple of times. We're called to speak up when it matters to you. You should speak up when it matters to you. See, I'm a person that generally does not like to cause waves, and generally I don't get my feelings hurt too easily. I get my feelings hurt. The older I get, I feel like the more my feelings get hurt at times. I used to not care at all, but now I care a little more. So at times I get my feelings hurt. Um, and when I first got married, I'm a person that doesn't um, love conflict. So a lot of times, especially when I first got married, um, I would try to not let things bother me, that things would happen. So my mindset, if something were to happen, let's say my wife did something that bothered me, 
or um, she said something, said a little comment, or acted a certain way. When we first got married, my mindset was always, you know what? It's just not worth it. This, this thing is not worth it. If I bring it up, it's going to be a huge fight. I, I'm not going to worry about it. I just got to let it slide. I'm just going to assume the best of my wife so that I'll just let it slide. And things that would bother me days later, I just would never say because I just kept saying, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth saying anything about it until we got into a fight. Then all of a sudden, all those things that I thought weren't worth it now became worth it when it came to my fight. And all of a sudden, I'm bringing up things to her that she doesn't even know she did months ago. Well, you said this, and she's like, what are you even talking about? So over time, I have learned that there's things that weren't worth it. They built in me emotions of resentment. They, they, I was all of a sudden getting passive aggressive. I would get self-righteous. I would get angry, all because of things that weren't worth it. But they really mattered to me. So after a major fight, I knew that something had to change. So here's something that I have learned over nine years of marriage. I got a lot to learn, but here's some things that I've learned that changed my relationship with my wife and I. Um, and I think you can change any relationship you're in, whether it's a romantic one or not. I have learned that I can feel hurt about something without it being their fault. She can do something that hurts me, and I can feel hurt without it being her fault that I feel hurt. But I'm justified in my hurt. And the same is true. She can feel hurt about something that I didn't necessarily mean to do, that I had no intention of doing, but her feelings are valid even though I'm really not at fault. That's okay. People in your life can hurt, can hurt you, and you can feel that hurt. That's a real feeling. Don't apologize for feeling that. And they don't necessarily have to be at fault. They could have done something that you didn't know about, and those feelings are justified. So here's what, I, what we started doing. When something would happen that mattered to me, I, I told her, and she tells me. I don't say everything because it's just a lot of stuff. There's some things that are just small things. You got to let it slide. But if something happens and hours later I'm still thinking about it or the next day I'm still a little upset about it, then that's a warning and that's a trigger to be like, you know what? I got to talk to her about it. And when I talk to her about those things when they're really small, here's what normally happens. I don't attack her. I don't say it's your fault. I say, hey, I just want you to know when you did this, it made me feel this way. And I know you didn't mean to, but this is how I feel and I just want to let you know. Ever since we started doing that, all of a sudden, I became more vulnerable and honest with her, and all of a sudden, our relationship has improved. Because if something matters to you, you should speak up. You don't, you, we're not called to keep all of our feelings inside. You should speak up when it matters to you. If something in your life matters to you, speak up. We're going to talk about easier ways to do that, but you need to speak up. How else do we speak up? We speak up when we see injustice. Speak up when you see injustice. We as followers of Jesus are called to call out injustice in our world. That's what we're called to do. Proverbs 31.9 says, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Isaiah 1.17 says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. See, it's not admirable for us to see someone being bullied, to see an injustice happening in our world, to see people that are sick, that are poor, that are dying, that are being treated unfairly, it's not admirable for us to sit there and just let it happen and we don't do anything about it. That is God's children. We are called to be His hand to be. We are called to be His ambassador. We are called to do something when we see injustice. We are not called to be cowards. We are called to speak up when we see that. And I think one of the best examples of this, I'm going to talk about her because she's not here, is Pastor Michelle. Most of you know Pastor Michelle. Some of you watching, you probably know Pastor Michelle. Um, she's our Karen Outreach pastor here. Um, she does a great job. She, she spoke a couple weeks ago. Um, she is on vacation with Frank. 
And, um, but her main primary job, as many of you might already know, if not um, those of you watching or those of you here, her main job, she is the executive director for the student's right to life. She works for the pro-life movement. Now, um, as a church, we never try to get political because we understand that there's people on all sides. We are going to be doing a political series in November, um, but we're not going to be give, taking any stances. So don't worry. I know everyone's starting to get worried at home, okay? We're not doing any stances because we know there's people on all sides of the debate of everything, okay? We're going to talk about unity in this, in this series. But um, we don't try to say anything political, but we will talk about pro-life issues. And here's why, and we've gotten criticism for it. Because we believe that the Bible is very clear that um, we are knit together in our mother's womb, that God knows us and has a plan for us even in our mother's womb, and we also believe that the science backs that up. That's what we believe. We truly believe that what an abortion is, it's killing an innocent person. So if we believe that, how admirable would it be for us to believe that and then never talk about it? Because we don't want to offend anybody. And we've offended people. There are people watching that don't agree with us. And I know there's so much more to unpack on this that, that we would love to talk to you about or Michelle will talk to you about. But Michelle has gone to churches, said, hey, I would like to talk about what we're doing. And they have said no. They go, no, no, we, we agree with what you're doing, but we just don't want to talk about it. It's like, no, when you see an injustice happen, happening, speak up. Don't worry. Don't, don't be afraid to offend somebody when you see something is going wrong. I'm not afraid to speak up against bullies. Don't be afraid to speak up for injustice. That's what we are called to do. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And when else should we speak up? We should speak up when God gives us the opportunity. Speak up when God gives you the opportunity. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. There are opportunities constantly to speak into people's lives. There's family members that you've been praying for for a long time. When you see them, do you wait for those opportunities? Are you praying, God, give me an opportunity to say something? And then when, when that opportunity comes, help me to say the right thing. Do you pray about those? Those friends that you've been inviting maybe to church or you've been inviting to hear more about Jesus, are you looking for those opportunities? Because they will come up. When the opportunities come, we should speak up about it. Um, when I just moved here to Sykesville like a month ago, uh, maybe a little more than a month ago. And since I moved here, um, I've been trying to do all the local stuff. I get my hair cut locally. I, I go to as many local restaurants as possible. And every time I do, I was doing this before, but now that I live here, I really try to. Every time I meet a neighbor, every, time, every chance I get, I bring up the fact that I'm a pastor at a church. Every single time. We just, got my, we just went to dinner at uh, Libertori's. Those that live in Sykesville, great restaurant. I met the owner. Like, oh, how'd you hear about it? I said, well, I'm a pastor at a local church that reached me meets right over there. It's named Impact Church, and I explain stuff. I'm always trying to find those opportunities. You know why I'm always doing that? Because God has called us to this community. I'm not going to hide it. He's called us to this community to make disciples, to make a difference, and I never know when an opportunity is going to come up. So I always try to be ready just in case. When God gives you an opportunity, when he opens a door in a relationship, be ready to speak and to tell them and to speak up about the hope that you have found. So number one, we speak up. And then number two, what do we do? We shut up. There are times where God calls us to shut up. There are times where we should be bold and speak. But there are examples in the Bible. I remember, uh, maybe in, in Luke, you might have read this, but an angel appeared to Zechariah to tell him the news of his wife, Elizabeth, was going to have a baby. It was going to be John the Baptist. And Zechariah uh, responded um, with doubt. He said, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So what did the angel do? He said, all right, you ain't speaking until that baby's born. I'm going to shut you up for a while. There are times where the best thing we can do in God's mercy, the best thing we can do is stop talking. 
is to not say anything, is to stop, is to shut up. When, when should we do that? When should you do that? Shut up when you don't understand. When there's something that comes up that you do not understand, don't say anything. Because when you're talking, it's hard for you to understand. It's hard for you to listen. If you don't understand something, stop talking. James said in chapter 1, he said that we should be quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's what James said in chapter 1. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If you don't understand something, stop talking. Because I have a newsflash for everybody, and I need to hear this too. You don't need to know everything. No one expects you to know everything. If there's a situation that comes up that you do not understand, don't say anything. Because when you stop talking, you're going to listen to that other person who understands it, so you can really understand them more. If you don't understand what your spouse is feeling, stop trying to explain yourself. Stop trying to win the argument. Just stop talking until you understand how she's feeling or how he's feeling. Shut up until you do. If you don't understand why someone thinks differently than you, then stop talking until you understand. I hear it all the time. People, I can't, how could anyone vote for Trump? How could anyone vote for Biden? How could anybody? I don't understand how anyone can do that. And know what we should do? I don't understand, period. You don't understand. Everyone's viewpoint makes 100% perfect sense to them. So if you don't understand, you should take the extra energy to understand. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to necessarily change your viewpoint. But it's a loving way to say, I respect your opinion. I respect who you are. I respect your thoughts. So I'm going to stop talking until I understand you a little better. That's what we should do. A pastor friend taught me this a long time ago. Um, I would meet with people at times. And when I would meet with them, um, they would come up talk about situations that I didn't necessarily understand, situations that um, I've never experienced. Maybe it's an addiction they had in their life. Maybe it's something they're going through that I just don't understand. And my natural instinct is to try to um, show them I understand by relating to them. Yeah, I get it, but, but because this is what happened to me, and it's not even close. And a pastor friend told me this a long time ago. He said, you know what you need to do in those situations? Don't say anything, because they don't need you to. All they really want to hear from you, they just want to know that you're there and you're listening. They know you don't understand. They know you haven't experienced it. So what you should do in those moments is just stop talking. It's just shut up because you don't understand. They just need you to listen. If you don't understand, stop talking. What, when else should we shut up? Shut up when you seek to destroy. Shut up when you seek to destroy. When you know what you're about to say is going to destroy everything around you, don't say it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, I remember in ministry, I, there was a guy that I was working with that um, after about a year quit on me. All of a sudden, out of the blue, he shot me a text and he quit on me. And I was furious. It was the, it's one of the maddest I've ever been in ministry. I was training him for a year. I was really excited for everything that was happening. And then after a year, he quit, and I was just so mad. So I, what I did is I called my pastor at the time, and I was telling him about what was going on. I was venting to him, and he was just listening. I was like, I can't believe he did this. And I just kind of went off for like 10, 15 minutes about how mad I was. And then, as, and then he was like, I, I get it. I understand. I understand why you feel that way. And, said, right. and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call him and tell him how I feel. And he said the wisest thing that I still tell people. He said, don't call him. Don't text him. Don't contact him. Give yourself a day. He could tell how angry I was. If I called him, I was going to destroy everything. 
I was going to tell him off, or if I texted him, I really was because I wasn't going to see him face to face. said, give, it, give yourself a day, give yourself two days. A day later, I was still upset, but I wasn't as angry. So I texted him and said, hey, I'd love to get lunch and, and kind of talk about what's going on, and if that's okay. He said, yeah, sure. So we went and get lunch, and I told him what I felt. It mattered to me, right? We speak up when it matters. But I did it in a way that I was like, I need you to know how I feel because I don't want to destroy this relationship. If I called him the first day, done. Destroy everything. But because I waited, because I stopped talking, because I knew I was about to destroy, or my pastor knew I was about to destroy, because we did that, it kept the relationship alive. Before you go about burning things down, at times you need to pause. If you go in with the intent to destroy, then don't say anything. Take a break. Take a day. Take two days. Maybe you and your spouse are in a fight. Say, you know what? I just need a second. I need to go sit so I can calm down. Because you know it's going to happen if you keep going. You know it's going to get to a worse level. Our goal is not to destroy. It's to rebuild. If, if you've ever held a, a loaded gun, you understand this. Maybe you've gone shooting or something. If you've ever gone to the gun range, if you haven't, they have some rules for you. When, when you have this gun, you're, you want to make sure the safety is on. You never want to point at anyone else, even if the safety is on, and you don't put your finger on the trigger because it's a loaded gun. What happens if you accidentally shoot that while you're aiming at somebody? You can kill them. Your words are the same way. What restrictions do you have to make sure that it's not going to go off and destroy something? What is it that you have? Because your mouth makes, it's a, it, it can destroy or it can rebuild. And at times we need to shut up. And then the last one, we shut up when we are about to sin. When you know what you're about to do is do something that you shouldn't be doing, shut up. Maybe for you, it's slander. You are constantly tearing people down with your words. Shut up. Don't say it. Maybe for you, it's gossip. I mean, you know that. Gossip, it's a sin. Don't do it. Shut up. Because gossip hurts everyone involved. It hurts the person that you are gossiping about, obviously, because you're saying things about them. It hurts the person that's listening because now they are getting a different image of somebody else and it hurts them. And it hurts you because it hurts your credibility. I know people that gossip all the time. I don't tell them anything because I know if I tell them, everyone's going to know. So I don't, I don't tell them anything because I don't trust them enough. Proverbs 10 verse 19 says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongue. If you're about to do something that you know is wrong, you know it's a sin, stop. Don't say it. Shut up. Sometimes God calls us to speak up, and sometimes God calls us to shut up. And it's hard to know which one to do. It's really hard, which is why we need wisdom. Which is why, and this is the last thing I'm going to read, and then I'll get you guys out of here. Which is why at the end of chapter 3, James talks about wisdom. Here's what he says in the end of chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is this. Let's read these. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. 
Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So here's how I want to close. All those things that I just described to you, does that describe you? Would you describe yourself that way? Would you say, yeah, I'm pure, as in, as in you are holy, that you are seeking to live a life of holiness? Would that be you? Are you peaceable? Do you do whatever it takes to seek peace? Would that describe you? What about considerate? Do you think of other people before you do something? Do you think of other people, other people before you say something? Do you do that? Are you considerate? Are you submissive? That means you put yourself under authority and you agree that you are not the most important person. Are you full of mercy? As in you forgive easily, you're compassionate towards others. Would you describe yourself that way? Would you describe yourself as having good fruit? As in you don't just say it, but you show it by the way you live. Would that, is that how you describe yourself? What about impartial? You're fair and you're just. Then what about sincere? You're authentic. You're willing to be vulnerable. These are the traits that James says of the wise. These are the traits of the wise. And how do you show all of these traits? By your words. By what you say. That's how we show it. See, wisdom is not just knowing all this stuff. It's actually applying it into our lives. And there are times where you are going to be called to speak up. And there's times where you are going to be called to shut up. So what is it for you? Beginning, we played that game, speak up or shut up. What is the thing that you need to work on more? For some of you, you have situations where you need to speak up. Maybe you're not very good at telling your significant other what's really going on. Maybe you've seen injustices and you're just too afraid to speak up about it. What is it that you need to speak up about? And for some of you, you need to learn how to shut up. You're constantly running off in your mouth and get yourself into trouble. You're destroying relations because of what you say. You're talking about things you don't understand. What is it that God wants you to work on and what steps do you need to take practically to start living that out? Because wisdom is not about knowing what to do. We know what to do. It's about applying it. Can we pray? Dear God, I thank you for being a God who speaks into our lives. A God who wants us, wants what's best for us. And what's best for us is to look more like you is to follow you closer because we know you have a will and a plan for our life. God, I pray that you make it as clear as possible what we need to work on. Whether we need to work on speaking up more or whether we need to work on shutting up more. I pray that you make it as clear as possible and you help us to have the courage to take whatever steps we need to take so that we can work on it. Because we know that our words are a reflection of what we believe and what's in our heart. So if we're having trouble with our words, then we know that there's something in our heart that we need to work on. So dear God, I pray that you help us to rely more on you, to trust in you, to trust in your words, so that when we sing praises to you, it actually matters, and we're not singing praises and cursing our neighbors with the next breath. But that we're crying out to you because we are crying out from our heart. God, I thank you that we do not have to be perfect to be your son and your daughter, that we do not have to be perfect for you to love us. But God, I pray that you help us take those steps that we need to take so that we can more look more like you. Whether we need to speak up, whether we need to shut up. In your son's name, 